welcome to A Course in Miracles Daily Workbook Lessons for Regular People. I'm your host, Reverend Robin. This podcast is companion to my first one, which is A Course in Miracles for Regular People, where we read and discuss the text of A Course in Miracles. In this podcast, we read and discuss the daily workbook lessons that go with the course. I love these lessons and what they do for me and I love to discuss them with others who are on their journey to atonement. There's several ways that you can reach out to me if you'd like to chat. I'm on Twitter at ACIMFOR. I'm on Facebook at A Course in Miracles for Regular People. My email is ACIMDWLFRP. That's A Course in Miracles Daily Workbook Lessons for Regular People. ACIMDWLFRP at gmail.com or you can simply go to anchor.fm and leave a voice message and while you're there if you'd like you can make a donation to support this podcast and I'd really appreciate that now let's get started with today's lesson good morning today is lesson 151 All things are echoes of the voice for God. All things are echoes of the voice for God. No one can judge on partial evidence. That is not judgment. It is merely an opinion based on ignorance and doubt. It's seeming certainty, the opinion that is based on ignorance and doubt, Is, the only, is only a cloak for the uncertainty that it tries to conceal. It, the opinion, needs rational defense because it is an irrational opinion. And its defense seems strong, convincing, and without a doubt because of all the doubting underneath. When we think that something should be true, and we want it to be true, and we argue for the truth of it, all that arguing, when done passionately, can sound very convincing. Continuing, you do not seem to doubt the world you see. You do not really question what is shown to you through the body's eyes, nor do you ask why you believe it, even though you learned long since or a long time ago, that your senses do deceive. That you believe them to the last detail which they report is even stranger when you pause to recollect how frequently your senses have been faulty witnesses indeed. Why would you trust them so implicitly? Why? but because of the underlying doubt which you hide with show of certainty. We trust our senses so implicitly and argue so strongly for the quote-unquote truth of the reports of our senses. And we do that in order to hide the underlying doubt that we don't want to acknowledge. So, continuing... How can you judge? Your judgment rests upon the witness that your senses offer you. Yet, witnesses 
never falser was than this. <clears throat> Our senses only give us part of the picture, and there was never a presentation of the quote-unquote truth that was less true. Continuing. How else? No. But how else do you judge the world you see? You place pathetic faith in what your eyes and ears report. You think your fingers touch reality and close upon the truth. This awareness that you understand and you think that this awareness is more real than what is witnessed to by the eternal voice for God himself. The voice for God is the Holy Spirit. Can this be judgment? You have often been urged to refrain from judging, but not because it is a right to be withheld from you, but because you cannot judge. We don't have all the evidence. You can merely believe the ego's judgments, all of which are false. It, the ego, guides your senses carefully in order to prove how weak you are, how helpless and afraid, how apprehensive of just punishment, how black with sin, how wretched your guilt. The ego decides how we interpret what we experience with our physical senses <clears throat> so that we believe that we are weak, helpless, and afraid. So that we believe that we are black with sin and that we're wretched in our guilt so that we fear the punishment that we think is justified by our awfulness. Continuing, this thing that it, the ego, speaks of and yet would defend is what it tells you is yourself. And you believe that this is so with stubborn certainty. Yet underneath remains the hidden doubt of what it shows you as reality with such conviction it does not believe. It is itself alone that it condemns. It's only itself that the ego condemns. It is only within itself that it sees guilt. It is its own despair that it sees in you. Hear not the ego's voice. Don't listen to what it says to you. The witnesses that the ego sends to prove to you that its evil is yours are false. And these witnesses speak with certainty of what they do not know. Your faith in these witnesses is blind because you, the real you, would not share these doubts. These doubts that their Lord, the ego, cannot completely vanquish. You believe that to doubt his vassals is to doubt yourself. Now, I don't know about you, but that word vassal, I had to look that up because I never heard that before. So the vassals that it's referring to are the false witnesses. 
A vassal is someone who, in a feudal system, is allowed by the tyrant who is in control to live in that area, provided that they worship and serve the one in control. So these false witnesses or vassals, our senses, are only telling us what they are told to tell us. So continuing. Yet you must learn to doubt that their evidence will clear the way to recognize yourself. And we must learn to let the voice for God alone be judge of what is worthy of your own belief. Let the voice for God be the only one that we listen to. He will not tell you that your brother should be judged by what your eyes behold in him, nor what his body's mouth says to your ears, nor what your fingers touch reports to you of him. He, the voice for God or the Holy Spirit, passes by such idle witnesses. Things that the the body's mouth says to your ears or what the touch of your hand says about your this other person they, the Holy Spirit just passes right by them he doesn't even pay any attention to them at all he passes by such idle witnesses which merely bear false witness to God's son the information gathered by the physical senses bears false witness to us and the Holy Spirit recognizes only what God loves and in the holy light of what he sees do all the ego's dreams of what you are vanish before the splendor he beholds. When the Holy Spirit looks at us and he sees the, the beauty and the splendor that we are, the way that, that our creator created us, then all of the ego's dreams of what we are vanish when we see that splendor that the Holy Spirit beholds. Continuing, let him, the voice for God or the Holy Spirit, be judge of what you are, for he has certainty in which there is no doubt. Because the certainty that he has rests on certainty so great that doubt is meaningless before its face. Doubt is meaningless before this great certainty. Christ cannot doubt himself. The voice for God can only honor him, rejoicing in his perfect, everlasting sinlessness, whom he the voice for God has judged cannot can only laugh at guilt when we recognize who and what we really are the idea that we we have some kind of guilt is preposterous and we can just laugh at it because we know that we are not guilty and we now are unwilling to play with the toys of sin and I think that means not quote-unquote sinful acts but the idea that sin is real because 
when, when we see ourselves that way, we are unwilling to play with the toys of sin, unheeding or paying no mind to the body's witnesses for the, before the rapture of Christ's holy face. The rapture of Christ's holy face means the joy that we will experience when we recognize our own holiness. And thus he, the voice for God, the Holy Spirit, judges you. Accept his word for what you are, for he bears witness to your beautiful creation and the mind, capital M, whose thought, capital T, created your reality. What can the body mean to him who knows the glory of the Father and the Son? What can the body mean to the Holy Spirit because he knows the glory of the Father and the Son? of the Creator and of us, the creations. What whispers of the ego can he hear? None. What could convince him that your sins are real? Nothing. Let him be judge as well of everything that seems to happen to you in this world. His lessons will enable you to bridge the gap between illusions and the truth. He will remove all faith that you have placed in pain, disaster, suffering, and loss. He gives you vision which can look beyond these grim appearances and can behold the gentle face of Christ in all of them. In all of these situations, we, the Holy Spirit gives us this vision that can look past the pain, the disaster, the suffering, and the loss and allow us to behold the gentle face of Christ in all of these situations. You will no longer doubt that only good can come to you, to you who are beloved of God, for he will judge all happenings and teach the single lesson that they all contain. Everything that happens to us, the truth that is within the lesson is that we are holy and we are within and of God. He, the Holy Spirit, will select the elements in each happening which represents the truth and he will disregard those aspects which reflect only idle dreams. And he will interpret all you see and all occurrences, each circumstance and every happening that seems to touch you in any way from his one frame of reference. Holy, unified, and sure. And you will see the love beyond the hate, the constancy in change, the pure in sin, and only heaven's blessing on the world. Such is your resurrection, seeing our lives from the perspective of the Holy Spirit is our resurrection. For your life is not part of anything you see, it stands beyond the body and the world, past every witness for unholiness. Our life is within the Holy Spirit. We are 
within the holy and as holy as the holiness that we are within. In everyone and everything, his voice would speak to you of nothing but your true self, capital S. And your creator who is one with him. So will you see the holy face of Christ in everything and hear in everything no sound except the echo of God's voice. All things are echoes for the voice of God. We practice wordlessly today, except at the beginning of the time we spend with God. We introduce these times with but a single, slow repeating of the thought which, with which the day begins. All things are echoes of the voice for God. And we watch our thoughts, appealing silently to him who sees the elements of truth in them, in those thoughts. Let him, the voice for God, the Holy Spirit, evaluate each thought that comes to mind. Remove the elements of the dreams and give them back again as clean ideas that do not contradict the will of God. Give him your thoughts, and he will give them back as miracles, which joyously proclaim the wholeness and the happiness that God wills for his Son, as proof of his eternal love. As each thought is thus transformed, it takes on healing power from the mind, capital M, which saw the truth in it and failed to be deceived by what was falsely added. All the threads of fantasy are gone, and what remains is unified into a perfect thought, capital T, that offers its perfection everywhere. Spend 15 minutes thus when you awake and gladly give another 15 more before you go to sleep. Your ministry begins as all your thoughts are purified. So are you taught to teach the Son of God the holy lesson of his sanctity. No one can fail to listen when you hear the voice for God give honor to God's Son. And everyone will share the thoughts with you which he has retranslated in your mind. We want to go out and we want to share the truth that we've discovered. But we cannot do that effectively until our own thoughts are purified. Principle, principle of Miracles number 7 says um, it says miracles are everyone's right but purification is necessary first when we get our thoughts purified 
that's when miracles begin to happen in our lives and in the lives of those around us. And that, when our thoughts are purified, is when people will listen when we try to share truth with them. Continuing. <clears throat> Such is your Easter tide. And so you lay the gift of snow white lilies on the world, replacing witnesses to sin and death. Through your transfiguration is the world redeemed and joyfully released from guilt. Now do we lift our resurrected minds in gladness and in gratitude to him who has restored our sanity to us. Mm. Thank you, God. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for restoring our sanity to us. Thank you, Jesus, for teaching us these things. Thank you for giving us this work to study and to practice. Continuing, and hourly, we will remember him whose salvation and deliverance, who is salvation and deliverance, as we give thanks. The world unites with us and happily accepts our holy thoughts, which heaven has corrected and made pure. Now has our ministry begun at last to carry round the world the joyous news that truth has no illusions. And the peace of God through us belongs to everyone. Namaste.